0: Hi, welcome to our hot rod Bible study. So tonight we're going through the book of James. We're in chapter one. and We're going to be doing verses uh, twelve through twenty-seven tonight. Um, we're going to try to com- complete out the first um, chapter. We got a lot here, um, but before we get started tonight, let's uh, ask the Lord to be with us at our time that we're we are uh, looking at His Word, Father. So, Lord, we've come to you tonight, Lord, um, seeking you. Uh, we've come here. We've gathered tonight as a group of men, Father, and We have gathered um, also with people online, Lord, um, that we um, may see you uh, more clearly, Father, as we open up your word tonight, Father. We ask, Lord, tonight, um, our prayer is that your word would impact us, Lord, that we would um, be changed, um, that we would be transformed um, as we hear your word tonight, Father. Um, We ask as we go through the book of James, Father, that it is a, a powerful book, Father. Help us to be are receptive, help our hearts to be open, help our ears um, to take in all that we're going to hear tonight. Father, we've come tonight, we've gathered to hear from you tonight, Lord. Um, we ask that you would uh, comfort us and be with us tonight, Father, and we pray all of these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'll, I'll start reading here in, um, in verse 12, and we'll read the chapter, and then we'll go back and see what the Lord has for us. So it says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But let each one but each one is tempted, and he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. God bless you. Then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death Do not be be deceived my brother my beloved brethren Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights which whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first-fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but but deceives his own heart this one's religious is useless pure and undefiled religion before god and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so as we've been uh, going through the book of James here, um, what some of the things that we, the first half that we saw in James, if you weren't with us last week as we opened up the book of James, just a couple of real quick things. Um, It was written um, 45, 48 AD. Um, If you don't know, it is one of the earliest books written in the New Testament. Um, They believe it is one of the first books written and so one of the things also we see in the book of James, we have gone through of the people in the Old Testament that were um, named James. And this writer of the book of James is uh, believed to be uh, Jesus' half-brother. And only half-brother of Jesus because remember that Jesus is of the Holy Spirit, right? He, he wasn't of Mary and Joseph, he is of the Holy Spirit of God, right? And so he is the half-brother of Jesus. And so we see that this James um, pinned this letter here. Uh, many things, many things that have come out of this letter is many people um, say that it's, uh, this letter uh, looks a lot like Proverbs um, because it has 54 imperatives. It's 108 verses, five chapters. Um, and so just 54 different commands that, that uh, he's... One of the things that, that James is in the letter is he is very practical. Um, and it's interesting to see that all the, the things that he points out are things that are current um, today that's going on in our lives and things that are going on in our society. And so um, the book of James is a, a very powerful book, even though it is only five chapters. Um, and so we're going to uh, pick it up here. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention last week, um, of the one of the key verses in, in the first section, verses 1 through 11, was counted all joy uh, when you fall into various trials. Um, and one of the things that I left out of the study last week is that Um, By that statement alone, it is uh, almost a guarantee. It did not say that when you maybe fall into trials, or you might fall into trials, Um, it says that when you fall into trials, meaning that each and every one of us will go through trials. Um, And, and, you know, it's interesting because, and and the reason why I wanted to point this out, because this actually eliminates the uh, prosperity gospel that people go around preaching, that if you give your life to Christ, that your life will be blessed. and then you will just have you know you'll have new leather seats for your Learjet and all these things people you'll just be blessed beyond measure and if you're not getting blessed then you must not be uh, a follower of Christ a true follower of Christ there must be something wrong with you but the Bible never speaks about that kind of gospel it talks about that we will go through trials right we will go through trials and so the in the section we're going to pick up here we're going to talk about um, uh, temptations Um, and so it's going to be an interesting study tonight uh, but one of the things also that it points out very clearly that we're all going to go through temptations, and uh, being tempted is not a sin. We remember we're going to see that tonight. Jesus is, was tempted um, by Satan. To be tempted is not uh, is not a sin. Uh, it is neutral. Temptation is neutral. It is when we give in to sin that it becomes. When we give in to temptation, it becomes sin. And so we'll pick up here in uh, verse um, 12. Um, here we go. And blessed is the man who endures temptation. When he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. One of the things we see as uh, James was the brother of Jesus. And um, one of the things that uh, we pointed out last week that right away that he did not, as when Jesus was walking uh, in his public ministry, uh, James, his own brother, uh, did not believe that he was the Messiah. Um, He only came to know Jesus as the Messiah After he saw him in his resurrected body. And this was right after he appeared to the 500 people as he was resurrected. And before he ascended into heaven, he appeared to James personally. And this is when James became to understand that that Jesus is the Messiah. And he accepted him as his Messiah at that point. And so it's interesting here, I bring this up because one of the things is, uh, it says, blessed is the man... And it's, it, this is interesting because this is a, kind of a parallel with the Sermon on the Mount. Um, in, in chapter 5 of Matthew, um, verses uh, 1 through 10, um, it's blessed is the man who, you know, and it, it talks about all these blessings. And we see that, that James, even though he wasn't a follower of Christ, when, when Jesus went to the Sermon on the Mount, he gave this sermon, that we see something interesting in that, that he see that he was paying attention to what was going on and these things later on and it, as we go through the book of James, even in the uh, the first section there was four uh, three verses that were pointed out there were parallel verses with the sermon on the mount and so one of the things they say here because he used blessed is the man um oh oh uh, how happy this is they, they translate that oh how happy is a man who endures temptation one of the the things in the in the original greek here the word temptation um is the word um Parismos in the Greek, and it is the same word that is uh, translated there as trials. Um, And so the word trials, they use it here, temptation. uh, But in the in in verse two, they use the word trials, and so it's the same Greek word, but it is translated uh, separately here, and they use the word temptation. Um, When he is tempted, he has been approved, Um, and so approved. They said here, uh, the commentator said that they have passed the test, and so. We know that the Lord, um, as we read here, we know that He doesn't tempt us, uh, but things He allows uh, us to have trials in our lives to change us, to uh, mold us into what and prepare us for what is ahead. For the Lord has for us. Uh, one of the things also, as it says here, that He's rece- He will receive the crown of life. A crown of a king is called in the Greek; it's called a diadem, and this is the crown. And so, this is not the word used here. The word used here for the crown is called. Uh, Stephanos is the word that is used here for this crown. And this crown is a crown that is won. Uh, they give it in a, a victor to somebody that had won a competition. And so we see that it is pointing out that he'll give to somebody who won this competition, that the Lord will give it to him. And, and it's interesting to see that uh, he'll give it to him as they've been approved, as he endures um, this temptation. And the Lord has promised to those who love him. I love that there as, as we see it, and many people read, um, just look past it, but those who love him. You see, when we love Christ, it helps us endure temptations. And we're going to get heavily here into temptations here as we go into um, verse 13. And it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. One of the things that uh, many people hear today, and this goes back from, and we're going to see that tonight, um, this goes back from the beginning of time, uh, that many people today um, they use, and, and the reason why it's pointed out here that that uh, that it says about that God cannot tempt people, because many people say they they put the blame on God. Because man, I've heard many people say, "Well, I'm born this way," right? If they if they say whatever the sin that they have in their life, they say, "Well, I'm born this way," and by them saying this, they're actually saying that it is God. Is, it's his fault that I am the way that I am. And we and we sheer away from wanting to take responsibility for the reaction of the sin that we have in our lives. And this is not only, um, this is for people that actually have um, certain temptations in their life. Um, but one of the things that, as like I said, this is one of the tactics of Satan. And, and I think us as men, we need to be aware of the tactics of Satan because um, some one of the commentators I love, he said that Satan is a lot like um, the person that writes, and I, I don't watch football at all. Uh, he said he's a lot like the, the person that writes the, uh, the uh, what is it? I, I wrote it down here. I wrote the playbook for the Raiders because he said that the Satan doesn't have very many plays. He uses the same one over and over. And I guess the reason why he uses the same one over and over is because it works. Because it works. And so we see that uh, as we go back to Genesis 3, and we remember that Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden, right? They sinned. We're all aware of that. And this comes from Genesis three twelve. that the Lord, when he went out, God went out into the garden and he was looking for Adam. And he asked Adam very clearly, he asked him what had he had done when he had eaten of the tree of life. And, and we see that, we remember that, we see some of the tactics here that, that the blame started very early because he said, that woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree of life and I ate. So in reality, Adam was saying, Lord, you, you help, you help, You were the one. The reason why I sinned is because you gave me this woman. And, and you know, it's interesting to see that they put the blame on God, and they took no responsibility. And it's the, the Satan is doing the same thing in our lives because we don't want to take responsibility for those things. And if it takes one step further in the very next verse in three thirteen. He asked the woman. He asked the woman the very thing. What is this that you have done? And she said, "This, this, uh, the serpent who deceived me." That, that it was in the garden deceived me and I ate, and so we see again that she was in turn blaming God for saying the serpent that you put in the garden it's caused me to sin, and so goes the blame right. We, we and as we as we need to be aware of this as we are we are men in in, uh, in this uh, life we we oftentimes we t- we took the the road to to blame God for our sin. So this is one of the things that we're going to see. But I wanted to share a, a short little story with you. Um, there's a, a man and he's. Um, He's having some financial troubles, him and his wife, and so he sits his wife down and he says, we need to have a little discussion. And, and, his, and he tells his wife, he says, you know what, honey? We need to actually watch our spending for the next couple of months because uh, we're, we're starting to get in some, in some kind of financial trouble, nothing serious, but if we watch our spending for the next couple of months, we should be able to get out of this. And so she agrees. Um, a couple of weeks later, as he's getting dressed in the morning to go to work, he's starting to thumb through the, the closet and he sees a brand new red dress he has never seen before hanging in there, and it's got the price tag on it. Mm-hmm. And so he grabs it off the, the coat hanger, and he walks it out where his wife is, and he said, What is this red dress? Didn't we have an agreement? How could you not resist the temptation to buy this dress? You should have done something. You should have really given a serious thought about what you agreed to or what we agreed to. Could not you say something like, Get behind me, Satan. Couldn't you do something like that that, that, that they didn't allow you to get this dress? And she said, you know what? That's exactly what I said. I said, get behind me, Satan. And he said, it looks good from here, too. <laughs> and so I bought the dress. And so this temptation kept me from buying the dress. And so the, 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 the Satan said it looked good from behind as well. And so this is the reason why she bought it.
1: Who told you to tell that joke? <laughs>
0: no, uh, it, was Wayne, right? we, uh, it was Wayne right and so we, we see that uh, so goes the, the, the blame game right and so we see that something here in this verse in 13 we see that evil uh, God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone and like we said we, we know that through the, the book of Job that he allows trials to come into our life but he does it to build us up to prepare us for what is ahead God never tempts us with anything evil he cannot uh, tempt us with anything evil um, and so here in verse um, 14, it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Um, we see something in this that we see exactly that we are drawn away um, by our own desire. You see, uh, I wanted to give you an example. if Satan came, and oftentimes he tempts us with the desires that we already have inside us. And so if Satan came and he wanted to tempt me, and he used a spaghetti dinner and he gave me all the fixing with the nice fancy meatballs and all the things you see i wouldn't be a problem because i don't care for spaghetti at all it wouldn't be a problem at all but just be reminded that the things that, that that satan tempts us with is something that we already have inside of us already it's something that we have he doesn't tempt us with things that he knows that we don't have and so he tempts us with things that we have inside already and yeah, we yeah. see that
1: hey mike Go ahead. what about a low riding in power? yes yes <laughs> he tempts us
0: yes with something that we have inside already Thank you. and so and so one of the things that we see early on um, in genesis also um, we see that the, we see that satan uses to tempt eve this is exactly what used to tempt Eve something that she had inside of her already he used that to tempt her away and we remember that one of the things that he used that he told her of this tree of life he used her hunger right that she was hungry she wanted something to eat her appetite he used it and he asked her that she wanted to eat of this tree right and he used it to lure her away Um, and this is what satan wants to do he wants to draw us away from those things And like I said, he uses the same tactics over and over and over again to draw her away. And and we remember that he tried to use the exact same tactics as he did in the garden. He tried to do the exact same tactics with Jesus in Matthew 4. He tried to use the exact same tactics. He tried to tempt Jesus with something that he had inside of him already. The Bible says very clearly that there in in Matthew 4, he said that when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, And the Bible actually points it out, that it says that Jesus was hungry, right? And he tried to use something that he already had inside of him. And we see that in that he told him, he said, and this is, I love this, because this is another tactic of the enemy. He says, if you are the son of God, and this is another tactic of the enemy, he creates doubt. We remember that all the way back in the garden that he told Eve, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of the tree? Did God really say that? He creates doubt. And this is a tactic of the enemy. And so he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And we remember what Jesus said, right? It is written, man shall uh, not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And and we see that, and God, uh, Jesus Christ, he left these very easily. uh, Jesus could defend himself because he is God. And he could very easily, but he pinned these in the Bible, in Matthew, for our benefit. We would see that it is by the word of God that we can fight off temptation in our lives, that we can fight off temptation. But one of the things that I thought that was interesting, that remember that he tempts us with something that we already have inside of us, this temptation that we have inside of us, this desire that we have. And so we're going to see a little bit more about that here in verse 15. Um, I'm sorry, in verse 14, right? Are we in 14 or 15? It's 15. 15, 15. okay. Um, So verse 15, it says... um, then, uh, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. One of the things that we see in this, uh, in this verse that I, I love, that one commentator said that this desire, when it is conceived, um, he said that, the, that oftentimes that this desire is conceived in the womb of our mind. That this, 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 uh, this desire that we have, we just go over and over and over and over in our mind, and until we actually says till it gives birth to sin, till we actually act upon it, and it becomes sin, right? And we remember that what sin does, it's sin, it sin, it when it uh, when it fully grown, it, it brings forth death, and death is separation from God, and this is the tactics of the enemy. He desire he his desire is to draw each and every one of us away from God. This is his desire, because I, I wanted to share this with you because I thought it was powerful. That a couple of weeks ago, I showed you that part of that rope that we had, the red part. Remember that it was the, the time that we have here on earth, and then we saw eternity. Well, this is, you see that Satan, he knows that too. And this is the reason why he's trying to tempt you away in the red part, because he you knows his time is short. His time is short, and he's trying to draw you away from the things of God, because he knows that separation from God brings forth death. And this is what he tries to do. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, as we see in the, in the last verse, um, the word, the word uh, drawn and uh, enticed in, in verse 14, um, these are terms that are used in hunting, and these are also terms used in fishing. Yeah. And many of you men are familiar with these terms. Um, but the thing that I like about it is, oftentimes when we are tempted, um, with one of the things that we don't see, we see the temptation. And, and like you said, though, then we, it, 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 we really draw our attention to it um, and and we're, all, we're all men here, and a lot of this temptation that goes along, it is sexual sin that we actually, that, that lures us, uh, wants to lure us away. But what we don't see, and just like this, these two terms that they talked about, what we don't see is when that t- temptation comes about, and many of us in this room, we can tell, everybody in one of us probably can tell a story that somebody was lured away by this very thing, but what we don't see is in the hunter, Remember that in the bear, in a bear trap is he wants to trap a bear, right? He gets the bear claw and he, put, he springs it and he buries it underneath all these leaves and he puts the, the bait out front, right? He puts the bait out front and so the bear never sees the bear, he actually never sees the trap. And the same thing is in the, in the fisherman, right? When the, the fish, he sees the lure and he sees the bait, but he never sees the hook. And this is what the enemy wants to do with each and every one of us. He doesn't want us to see the hook or the trap that he's trying to trap us in. And this is exactly what happened to David um, as he was lured. And remember that he saw Bathsheba bathing, and there it was, the bait, right? And it wasn't too long before he actually, he was hooked, right? He, it hooked him because he gave into that sin. He was contemplating it in his mind, and he went forth and he and he gave. And one of the things that we see in that, that it, it destroyed his whole life. Remember very early on that he lost his first son, that it was the consequences of his sin that he lost his son. And then we see that later on that his his daughter Tamar was actually raped by, by one of his own sons. And so we see all this disruption and all these things that happened in his life and all the, the, the things that happened because of the sin that he had sinned with a woman who wasn't his wife and he killed her husband. He murdered and killed her husband. But we see the graciousness of God that God forgave him because one of the things which is not like in the garden, instead of putting the blame game on somebody else, when Nathan the prophet came before him and said, "You are that man," he confessed his sin. He said, Then he said against you, Lord, and only you have I sinned." And he confessed his sin. And this is what the Lord. This is the only thing the Lord asks of us that we would confess our sins before Him, and He would He would give us uh, eternal life. That we would forget. He would forgive us. Amen. Yes, go
2: ahead. Chris. <clears throat> yes. So when when David was sitting there um, being enticed by Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think what I was sitting next to him. You no. know, these were often these situations come in, in quiet private right moments, right? When nobody's looking, not in the light of day or uh, with where the individual is that we're sitting against. Yes. And and uh, I heard a, a really great saying that the measure of a man is what he does when no one else is looking. Not when everybody's looking. Yeah. when no one else is looking, And I think that kind of applies to the concept that is here. Yes. And um, the other really uh, great saying that I, that I heard years ago from a fireman buddy of mine, but he said, Chris, he says, there's a buoyancy to truth. And I looked at him and I thought, what do you mean by that? He says, think of it as a balloon that you're trying to keep underneath the you can hold that thing down for a while, but eventually that thing's yeah. coming up to the surface. And he said, that's the way truth is. Yeah. We might think we can get away with things for a while, but eventually, especially as God's children, you know, he, he loves us, therefore we're usually, it's just not worth it, you know. Yeah. And uh,
0: in, in that same story, um, and they also made a point that the farther you push it down, the more pressure is for it. That's yes, yeah. right. More pressure to the that you go. You, you try to push it down and try yeah. to, you know, squelch it. The so more pressure there is for it to come back out of the water. Right. Yeah. So, oh, good. It's powerful, powerful.
3: Thanks, Chris. Also, you know go ahead, Mark. Just to add to that as well is that um, we all can identify that you know the enemy is there to steal and kill Steel. and destroy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, if we build this truth into our lives and we have this word that we put here. Yes. It becomes easier, more clear to us uh, as we gain more wisdom uh, and insight to his word mm-hmm. and speaking to us. It becomes easier as we get older, yes. hopefully, that we're able to identify some of these things that are so blatantly like light- well, also God, if we,
2: <laughs> we, we think, well, okay, I can get away with whatever I'm trying to get away with. Because nobody's watching, what? You know, how do we say that as believers? You know, yes. yeah. do we do we care less? Sometimes we care less about God than yes. anybody else. Yeah, we okay. care, and we just completely ignore that that God's with us. And you know what? When we when we do that, we fall into that. Then God says, "Okay, I'm leaving. I don't. I ain't going to have any part of this." Yep. And and we and we ruin sometimes blessings, you know, and and uh, and then we got to find our way back. And yes. And it's not. A, and if we, if we're ever conscious that God is, His Holy Spirit lives in us. Uh, but it's real convenient to forget that
0: sometimes. It, it, is, it is. We all have. Yeah. Powerful. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Chris so here we go to verse 16 it says um, do not be deceived my beloved brethren." Um, and this is just do not be led down the wrong path and here in verse 17 it says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights whom there is no variation or shadow of turning every good gift we many of us uh, in the room we can look around and we can see the gifts are Our spouses our children uh, our grandchildren as we've been we prayed before the study tonight those are good gifts but the perfect gift speaking about here is this perfect gift of eternal life um this is a perfect gift and you know it's it's a powerful gift and you know i I came from a, a church that eternal life was only reached by earning your way and when you come to understand the grace of god the grace of our lord and jesus christ is just so amazing that we would see um, one of the things it's, it points out here that there is no variation uh, meaning that jesus is the same today yesterday and forever we, we just came through that in hebrews 13 8 um, we see that he is the same but this is a claim of his deity of who he is he is god um, that he, there is no change in him he is the same uh, but i love here when it says that there is no shadow meaning that there is no darkness right we remember that john uh, it was, uh, I'm sorry, It's 8.12 that said that he is the light of the world. And so we see that in, in Jesus Christ, that he is the light of the world. Before we leave temptations and we go to verse 18, one of the things that I also wanted to, to bring up here as we, we talk about, uh, we all, oftentimes one of the tactics of the enemy is also that um, he also wants to, um, the enemy wants us to think that we're missing out on something, that we're missing out on something. Remember, um, in the garden, back in the garden, he told Eve also the very same thing. He, not only did he tell her that, did, did, did God really say that, but he said, hey, well, if I eat of the tree, she said, um, he's, the, the enemy said, Satan said, you'll be like God.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so she felt, wow, I'm missing out on something. I want to be like God. And so this is, it enticed her to eat of the apple. And this is one of the other tactics of the enemy. He wants us, this seems that he's keeping us, that God is keeping us from something. But what we don't see in that That God is keeping us from something He is keeping us from separation from him And this is the
3: reason why he's trying to draw us Not to sin And you know what Mike too Before um, we without a temptation It just reminds me of the powerful Words that we hear That uh, God always provides a way out yes. For us Yes. And that story that's so powerful With Potiphar's wife yes. And Joseph is Yes like, um, you know the word flee yes flee. and uh, how we need to like in many of those kinds of things we need to choose to you know to say oh i yes absolutely and, and it can be in all kinds of different things yes you know? and, and that comes
0: from a genesis thirty-nine, twelve. um that potter that he that he actually resisted and he ran and we remember that, that her that garment was still in her hand when he ran and he ran. And one of the things that I think is powerful that Mark points it out, Potiphar, you know, if you don't know the story, it's in Genesis, right? 39, we remember all know the story of Joseph that this Potiphar, first his brother sold him into slavery and this Potiphar um, was uh, a man and he took him and he made him in control of his whole household. And so this Potiphar's wife, she took a liking to him. And so she was trying to entice him all the time, tempting him and he wouldn't do it because he had a love for his master and there's there's two things to be learned about that that he had not only had a love for his master who was the owner of the house potiphar who gave him everything he had a love for his master for our lord he had a love for our lord and this is what kept him from tempting him when she tempted him he ran and, and like and like chris said there, the, the bible says that there was nobody there there was nobody it was just them two It was only potiphar's right. wife and him that all the servants had left the household and it was right. only them and like you said though that character that it was in him that he had left um, one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up also, and it's a good thing we're on the subject, um, that James 4, 7, That oftentimes I've heard people quote this verse, um, but oftentimes they quote it without something. Oftentimes, and I know many of you have heard this, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, many people uh, actually, they, they quote this out of the Bible, but what they seem to miss out, and this is for each and every one of us, um, the very first part of that verse, and it is submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's in our submission to God that he will flee from us. We need to submit to God. This, that's what gives us the power. Because we try to do it in our own will. And we need to say, hey, when somebody tempts us to do something, go do something. And we say, oh, yeah, we, we, can, we can do it under our own power. I'll just keep, When I get there, I'll just tell them that I can't really come inside. No, no. We need to submit to God. Submit to God and say, Lord, give me. And, and like Mark pointed out, he will always prepare a way out for each and every one of us. He will leave us a way out if we will look for that way. And we can even pray, Lord, you know what? I, I'm in a situation here. Help me to get out of this. And he will.
2: You know, Mike, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt Go ahead.
0: You, It's like, you,
2: and my daughter gave me this illustration, I'll never forget it. It's like you come to an intersection, and you can either make a left turn or a right turn, mm-hmm. and you got your GPS on. God's saying, turn right here. Mm-hmm. And so you start, and you look left, but, you know, squirrel, you know, you, <laughs> there's your temptation down down the road. And uh, turn right here, you know. a little small voice is telling you, but, from, you make the left right yep and then my daughter says you know what god does she she said just like the um the gps root recalculation yep in other words okay i'm gonna i'm gonna bring you eventually but it's gonna be a longer trip for you, but... yep.
0: yeah. no, and, and that's important you see that uh that, that just like uh, the gps god says recalculate and he recalculates us that's how much he loves us And oftentimes, I grew up in a church that I always thought that God, when he got to that road and we went down the wrong path, that he said, okay, you're on your own. But he doesn't. He still loves us. And he still, like you said, he sends the hounds of heaven after us to draw us back. That's how much he loves us.
3: And my I thing is really important that we, you know, stay in the word. Because if you stay in the word, you have joy in your heart. If you have joy in your heart, you're not tempted by wickedness. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it will tempt you, but, you know. If you're joyful in Christ, yes, like hey you know, yes, it fills <clears throat> you that doesn't appeal to me. When yes, it's used
0: to. Yes. No and I think it's powerful what you said to do because you know oftentimes the world we try to fill us ourselves with happiness, but joy comes from the Lord. Joy. We have that true joy in your heart, from Christ. It's kind of like our spouse, our spouses are so good to us. How could we do something wrong to them? And that's the same thing with the Lord. We have that relationship with the Lord that he has been so good to us. He has blessed us beyond measure, even when mm-hmm. we should be blessed. And, and William would always point this out. We're blessed more than you know, God. If he, we actually got what we deserve, we would just be like a, 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 a ash on the floor, right? We wouldn't be, if that's truly what, if we, we got what we deserve. But God has blessed us so much that he that He gives us a true joy. And we have come to understand that joy. It's powerful.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, real Go. Simple, a real simple example, like, I this is like... Uh, habitual training, you know, from going from one direction to the other. Because of my wife's heart situation, we went through cardiac rehab, right? Eight weeks or whatever. And part of that program, they they tried to inoculate you into becoming a vegetarian because there's all kind of evidence that if you, you know, if you're on your last leg, so to speak, that will really help your heart. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when we started this, down that path, I thought this is a waste of time because as soon as the program's over, we're going to go back to eating meat, eat both things. whatever you know. Yes. Funniest thing. Now it's been about three and a half years, and I'm not tempted anymore. Wow. You know, I mean that's a so real simple example, but we can change. Worth yes. And mm-hmm. Yes. And the goal there simply is the fact that we're trying to save a life, you know, give her a few more years. Yes. And so that's kind of how I think you know, if you flee from the devil or flee from. That sin that seems to tempt you the most—that yes. habit, you know—will yes. definitely work.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's when finally the enemy says, "Well, he's in submission to God; that I can't tempt him anymore, and he won't draw you away." And, and finally, he gives up and he goes on to somebody else. He goes on. But I got to add
1: one more thing. Okay. If you ever see me eating meat, uh, here's the deal: we have meat about twice a year for Thanksgiving, you know, and I don't like turkey, so I have like steak or something yeah you know, okay and, and another time but for the most part yes, it, 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 it's, it's gone huh? yeah. yeah what
0: a blessing okay let's uh go on here to verse 18 and it says of his own will he brought for us forth by the word of truth that we might be the first fruits of his create of his creatures so this is goes back to the old testament like i said though this book was written to jewish people who have come to know christ as their savior and so the first fruits that they remember that as they grew a crop They would give the best crops to the Lord. They would give them to the Lord in anticipation that the Lord would continue to bless them in the rest of the season. And so this is what we are called to be the first fruits of his creatures. That we are called as believers to be the first fruits. Drawing that he would give of of us that we would draw others to know Christ. And so here in verse 19 it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Um, One of the things that I think that's very powerful that we can pick up here is this is um, powerful for marriage. Um, This should be actually, if they go through marriage counseling, this should be one of the things that um, is always pointed out. But us as followers of Christ, that we should always be, um, we should always be swift to hear. Um, This is one of the things. And slow to speak, um, this is the reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Um, But oftentimes we seem to to speak about it in James, in the book of James, we're gonna—he's gonna talk a lot about the tongue, um, and we're gonna see that in the next um, couple of chapters. And so, also slow to wrath—that um, we are to be slow to anger—and um, this is all part of our prep work as us being followers of Christ. Um, and just really quick, I know some of you guys are painters, and if any of you have ever painted a house or painted a car, then you know that actually the physically part of the painting of the car, or painting of the house, is not the hard part. It's all the prep work that goes on behind it. It actually is the difficult part of it. And I remember I was working as a painter's helper. I was working as a painter's helper um, here in the local Chevrolet dealership, Tom Bell. I was working there and, and I, I, the part that I always remember that they would say, okay, if you're a painter's helper, you get to scuff all the, the door jams and all the cars that they're gonna paint. And So that was, I would scuff them up and, and I always remember this that I'd tell the guy, his name was Sal, and uh, he was the guy that was training me and, he, and I would tell him, why are we scuffing these things up? And what, what does that do what does that do i didn't understand what does that do Go ahead. And, it's a grip. yeah it, it, so it's so the paint so it says so it, he would tell me that he would say so it can adhere the paint would adhere to it it has something to grab onto and so this is us as we are followers of christ and when we are uh are, are hearing and are slow to wrath these are part of our preparation uh, that we would grip onto the word of god that it would stay embedded in us it would stay embedded and this is part of the prep work that we see that goes on here and so verse 20 it says for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of god and we all know that when we fly off the handle and and people see us and especially if they know that we are believers um that this actually um this we misrepresent god and so we should really try to control and once again as many of you have pointed out this in his submission and being in god's word um, but we remember that the attributes of God, that God is love. And that comes from 1 John 4, 8. And so um, we are to continue to be in love. So here in verse 21, 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Um, really quick, I'll, I'll just uh, leave out the, the rest of it, but I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on this. Wickedness and filthiness. Um, filthiness actually in the Greek it comes from the word uh, rupos Um, and rupos in the medical term would mean wax in the ear Um, and this is important that that rupos that wax in the ear this is what keeps us from hearing the word of God and 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 the reason why that that and those are the 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 filthiness is what keeps us from hearing the word of God that uh, that word of God is which would save our souls and so we need to um, hear the word of God to save our souls. And so I thought it was interesting that that Greek word actually in the medical term meant that wax in the ears. So here in verse 22 it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers um, and not hearers deceiving yourselves. Really quick, um, we're going to close the chapter here. But uh, really quick, the, a woman um, once was uh, told that she was in an office and she worked in an office all the time. And really quickly, the, the, the uh, she went to the doctor. And she said she was feeling totally kind of sluggish. She was not herself. The actual the uh, they told her very quickly. They told her the doctor told her you need to get exercise. We need to, you need to go out and you need to get exercise. And so what she did is she said, hey, I'm gonna, you can actually join a gym. And she said, I'm gonna join a gym. And so she went before them and she said, I'm gonna join this gym. And so she went to the clothing store and she bought this really nice outfit that she was gonna work out in. She bought this headband, this sweatband for her head. She bought her wristband. She bought her some really high dollar sneakers to go. And so when she went to the gym for the first time, Um, The People seeing her coming in, they were normal people that went to the gym. They were impressed by her. They said, wow, this woman must really be like a a workout person. The way that she's dressed, she just fits that profile that she looks like she's somebody that's going to come and going to work out. And as she was there, um, she worked her way to the back of the gym, and she went into the weight room, and she found two five-pound dumbbells in the back. And so she picks up these two five-pound dumbbells, and she does five reps on each one of them. She does five reps of these five-pound dumbbells. And she puts them down on the table, each arm puts them back down on the table, gets her towel, puts it on her shoulder, and walks out of the gym and gets in her car and leaves. And this is exactly what happens to many Christians that come to church. They come into church, and, and they know everything about it. They know, you know, what the thing that's so interesting about it is they, they, uh, they, they, they know where to sit. They sit in the church. They come and they sit in the church. And the funny thing about it is they, uh, they even know how to speak Christianese. They come in and they speak Christian language, right? Christianese, they speak Christian language. And the thing that's so interesting about them also is they come in and they also, they know many words of the worship songs that they come and they sit down and they know many of the words. And one of the other things that they have, they have a Bible with them. This is, this is the, the, the important part. They have a Bible with them. And many of them, you can see that they're highlighting their Bible and they're underlining their Bible. They're marking their Bibles up all over the place. But this is the question. Is the, the Bible they're reading, is it marking them? And this is a question for each and every one of us. As we read the Word of God, is it marking us? Is it causing a change in our lives? And this is what the book of James is trying to tell each and every one of us, that the Word of God would change each and every one of us as we read it. Would the markings that the Bible has, that would it change our lives? And I think it's powerful that we would see that. I'm just going to read the rest of the chapter, and we're going to close tonight. And so here, um, Aaron 23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets uh, what kind of man he was. And I'll go back to that at the end. It says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and uh, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the word. Really quick, I'm going to go back to 23 to close tonight. And it says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man uh, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. And so this, uh, I thought this was interesting as it uses, I love the way that the book of James here uses um, this mirror, because, and I love the way that he points out specifically men, because we see that women, when they go before the mirror, they look intently into the mirror, and they look for things to improve, right? They look for flaws, right, when they look in the mirror. But us as men, we look in the mirror, we glance at it, we go away, and we forget what we saw in the mirror. But this mirror that we're speaking about here is the Word of God. The Word of God is the mirror. And the thing that's so interesting about this mirror that we look into, that that mirror needs to change us. When God's Word points out things in our lives, we need to be changed by that mirror. That we can look in the mirror and that we can see that there's areas of our lives that we need to be changed. But the physical mirror that we look into, as we look into a mirror, they can only we only see our outward appearance. But the Word of God points to things in our inward that need to be changed. And so each and every one of us, as we look into the mirror, my prayer is that each and every one of us would look in that mirror intently on the things of God that would want to change things in our lives and make us be more like Him. Amen? Amen. 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 So Don, we're going to come and close. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for um, your word tonight, Father. Um, we thank you, Lord, for all the interaction tonight, Father, as we hear um, and we feel your Holy Spirit moving uh, throughout this room, Father. We ask, Lord, um, that you would uh, continue to um, guide us. Would you continue to pour your love and your grace upon us? Uh, we thank you for your love, Lord. We thank you for the study of James. Um, and, and, Lord, we we praise you and we love you. and We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. No, thank you. Yeah. Amen.